Hi, if you're hearing this, you might be a little confused where your normal Content Minds episode is. Uh, Luke and I are on vacation. Say hello from the English countryside, Luke. Hi. So you get to experience a glimpse into what we've been doing for our Patreon patrons for the last couple weeks. It's a side show we do called Post Post Credit Scene. The idea is that we uh, marathon different cinematic universes. Our first big project is the DC Entertainment Universe. Most of these movies are very bad. This movie, Shazam, <laughs> is very, very good. Without further ado, here's The Content Minds presents Post Post Credit Scene presents Shazam. <laughs> How'd I do? That was perfect. Okay. Welcome to Post Post Credit Scene. We finally made it to a good movie. Possibly a great movie. Definitely my favorite movie that we've done so far. We're talking this week about Shazam. I agree. I think I think this is the second good movie in the DC universe uh, after Aquaman. <laughs> of seven so far. It's been a really long time coming, but it is it is a it is a it is a good movie, and there's and they've been a few and far between in this in this project, much further and far, further between than I remembered. Shazam to me is I, okay. I, I said this at the very beginning of this project, where I said that like the perfect DC movie it has a lot of hope, a lot of heart. It's kind of goth, a little too violent at times, and involves a pivotal scene at a carnival or a circus. <laughs> and Shazam checks all of those boxes. I think I think if you had to show someone what DC offers that's different than Marvel, that's like unique, Shazam is the movie. It's like it nails it. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's it's it is so much more fun and hopeful and rejects the I don't know what to put it. Is. It rejects the grim dark stuff of so many of the others in that it, it because I like movies that take that kind of grimdark perspective. And I think yeah. the original like great DC movie, The Dark Knight, did do that. And it did it very, very well because Christopher Nolan is a very good filmmaker. Right. But when you try and do that with other superheroes, like, for example, Superman, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, like there is a part of this where it feels like Batman often sits outside the rest of DC in that he is the only one who takes the, the universe that they live in seriously. Right. Whereas the others have ended up in this weird situation where they're trying to have Superman take his own existence seriously and it, it doesn't work. And the same with... So you, you get superheroes like Flash in Justice League, who's actually quite a good character and kind of works. And similarly, um, uh, Harley Quinn also kind of works. But then you get Joker and Deadshot and stuff who don't work in the same way. Shazam is just a hopeful, fun, stupid movie, which is, is, is great and, yeah, has a lot of heart. And, and I like that it doesn't shy away from, like, some scary stuff. Um, I mean, the depiction of the seven deadly sins in, like, especially in the boardroom scene is, like, legit horrifying. And, like, that final yeah, shot really of Dr. Silvana, like flanked by all the sins holding the children hostage in the big tent at the very end is like it's gorgeous and it's like creepy and like it's not afraid to do that it's not afraid to have like the kids say like shit 
and like and it's got like this Goonies vibe to it. It's got this like very eighties, nineties, like the life and point of view of a child is kind of upsetting and like you should like honor that. Like like Stephen King's It or Stand By Me. It's got like that vibe to it. And I think it just makes me wish that like that was how all of these movies felt. Like they all could operate in that sphere. Even Batman could fit that because like Batman is basically just like a little kid trapped inside the body of like a Playboy millionaire. You know, he's right, just he's a traumatized kid in yeah. the body of a Playboy millionaire. He's like a scared little boy at the bottom of a bat cave and like much 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 like all billionaires. Is is that not Elon Musk? Is that not Jeff Bezos? Oh for God's sakes. Oh man. Sc- they're scared children who No, but if you think about it who like, just inadvertently become the most powerful people in, in history. <laughs> But if you think about it, like Shazam is in many ways the quintessential DC hero because he is literally a scared little boy inside the body of a god. And that's Batman, that's Superman, that's Wonder Woman, that's Aquaman. Like all these characters are like that exact conflict. And this movie just goes like, no, no, he's literally that. And they have so much fun with it in the process because they don't have to load all this grim, dark nonsense on top of it. Because being a little kid is scary. Like, it is goth and fucked up and grim dark. Especially if you live in Philadelphia. <laughs> especially, yeah, if you're a foster kid in Philadelphia. Like. I mean, I will say that I love that as the world's first and only Philadelphia-based superhero, <laughs> his first day as a superhero is spent trying to buy beer and going to strip clubs and going to the Rocky Stairs. <laughs> like, I, it's always sunny in the DC universe. is just, like, fantastic to me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it does actually feel like the always sunny people in do probably do exist in the Shazam universe. I would love that. I mean, so let's 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 talk about the characters because I think that's where this movie completely trumps everything else in this universe because every single owns, character is good in this movie. Owns. So, like, who, who are your favorites? What do you think about like the way that this, these characters come together in this movie? You know, I don't even know their names, but the two best characters are foster parents i love them i absolutely adore them they're so good the guy from the walking dead um yeah is just so charming like he's just so charming yeah it's charming and fun and perfect and that oh, oh, i mean honestly just the, the entire family is great um i've been watching uh this is us during this most recent run of the lockdown you've been uh, wa- wait you've been watching what uh this is us um the one of the children from that is also one of the children in the foster family, which I did not realize until I was like halfway through this. Uh, but is it the little girl? Yeah, the little girl. She's great. Um, yeah. Speaking of it and and that movie, like uh, Jack Dylan Grazer from It plays Freddy, who I think is just like the perfect character. Like he's just perfect. Like down to the Batman memorabilia and the Superman eBay purchases. Like it's just. Ah, oh, it's so it's so good. It is so good, and it also gives one of I think the I think maybe the best scene in any of these movies where people discover their powers. Yeah, as they try and figure out like what his powers are. It's so because good. it's not that thing of like being um, was Spider Man who does the thing where he's like, how do I make the web shoot? I'm going to stand here and do a oh, yeah. web shooting and or try the, and get the hand signal right. The infamous uh, Amazing Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield, trying to do a kickflip on his skateboard as Spider-Man sequence, which is like one yeah. of... If you've ever if you've ever seen it, it's a, it's a really intense piece of mid-2000s violence committed to, committed to film. It's, uh, <laughs> it's horrible. No, I... I could I I can't believe like I feel like they pulled off the hardest thing to do in one of these movies which is 
do the sequence where the hero learns what his powers are in a fun way, in a way that like I was like, I love this. I could watch this for yeah. an hour. I, yeah, I could watch them just attempting to do things in Philadelphia and attempting to figure out what his powers are for, for hours. Yeah. It's great. And like, so I don't know if you caught this, but um, all of, like a lot of the names that he's uploaded to YouTube as are from like other, like from the comics. So like the Red Cyclone okay. is a character in DC and stuff. So there's like a lot of like fun little Easter eggs in that. But it, it's so it feels so effortless in a way that it makes the rest of the movies in this universe feel almost like stupid because it's like this movie is just like, yeah, yeah, like magic, like that's our thing. Magic exists and it can like really fuck up your life when and, and like the gods don't care about you. And it like does the classic anime thing of just like, all right, let's go kill God. Like like I, me yeah. and the power of friendship are going to kill God. Like, and that's just like a great, easy story to tell in a weird way. Yeah. And it also gives this, the, this amazing punchline, which is when all of the kids gain powers. Okay. Let's talk, let's talk about it. It's just such a fun scene and sequence. Okay. So I tear up, I've watched this movie twice now and I teared up in the same places twice. (laughs) The shot. I didn't tear up this time around, but I did the first time. I recall. The shot of the bumper sticker that says, I'm a foster mom, what's your superpower? <laughs> like, gets me just hard in, like, the Pixar part of myself. But the scene where Freddy transforms into Adam Brody, which is some of the best casting I have ever seen in a movie. Like, unbelievable yeah. casting. <laughs> yeah. And then he realizes that he can fly and that his leg works right. And that he's, like... A superhero finally and the music swells oh my god dude like it just ruined me it's so good it's just it it's perfect. perfect it's so good and it it it, it feels it's it, this movie's interesting to me because it feels so informed by guardians of the galaxy in ways that like aren't totally noticeable but it has the exact same kind of vibe of like you're just like watching some characters like kind of like accidentally fall ass backwards into like a cosmic drama and then they just have to like use the power of friendship to get out of it and like it's it's easy yeah watching them kind of yeah it's watching them sort of figure out that it is they can have fun with it and it is really hard to explain how it is is similar to guardians of the galaxy aside from the idea that they are just having fun yeah but it well it's it's also like guardians of the galaxy because it's it's literally about found family um yep. it's it's about you know a kid who is left by his mom and then is like brought into this like massive epic space opera magic you know th- world um it also like the movie doesn't do so even aquaman has this problem and wonder woman definitely has this problem where the final fight scene, my favorite part is where uh, Dr. Zilvana is like doing his monologue, but he's too far away from Shazam. And Shazam's like, I can't hear what you're saying. <laughs> I think you're doing like evil villain guy stuff, but like I can't hear because I'm really far away from you. And it's like, that's just like the little stuff that like makes this movie perfect. Like it's just little tiny pieces, every little character pieces everywhere. It's like what you notice uh, with Aquaman, where like it takes time out of fight scenes to say, like I'm a character and I care about stuff and I'm a person. Yeah. Um, God, I, honestly, the, the whole thing is is an extremely perfect movie, which I think also makes its its position in this kind of run 
of DC movies even stranger mm. in that they they have because really like when you get down to it the their guard is the galaxy should have been um a suicide squad yes like that was that was the same thing but suicide squad they were so intent on being cool right and making sure that these characters were like the coolest characters they could be that it absolutely did not work because it, did, it, no. it lost all the lightness and as soon as it kind of has that thing where they are trying to be cool but in a a lovable way essentially because they're kids which is also you know kind of a similar thing to um star lord who has the same thing of he's effectively a kid and grew up and is now trying to be a cool badass but is fundamentally still a kid right uh that it it works and and it works for the same reason it it also it's interesting to me that like aquaman this movie was also directed by someone who had only ever really done low budget horror films so this was directed by yes. David F. Sandberg. And it's interesting to me that like DC stories, because they require like this like sense of like magical realism and sort of this like dark Harry Potter-esque like gods and wizards and stuff, you need I think horror directors get it better because they understand that like things are only scary if you care about the people who are being scared by them. So it's like Shazam is technically a horror film about a little boy who becomes a superhero and it's done that way. And it's allowing you to like care about these people enough to worry if they're going to be okay at the end, which Zack Snyder for the life of him, like cannot wrap his head around. He cannot understand why you would care about these characters because he assumes you already do. Yes, that is exactly it. It's the take that they, the take that all of the people watching the movies are there to watch the movie. So you don't have to do any work in making sure they're, good versions of the character which in fact is the opposite with comic books which is that there are dozens of versions of the character some of them you like some of them you hate some of them you don't care about right and you've got to figure out it's the right one before you can do anything interesting with them and both like david Iyer and Zack snyder they love the power fantasy that comic books give people but they don't want to give that power to people who deserve it or need it so it's like it's like Captain America is like this scrawny little man who like can't do anything in life and he gets to be Captain America in the same way that like a, a teenage runaway from Philadelphia gets to be Shazam. It's not like it's not like the golden god of Henry Cavill doing a 9/11 and like fighting spaceships. It's that's what comic books are about. That's what they're that's what you need them for. And Zack Snyder and David Iyer, they can't wrap their heads around that. Yeah, and as a result, this is probably the... Thinking about this, this is probably the closest to a true comic book. Yes. There has been, in, in arguably either Marvel or the DC Universe, in that it has that quick smash and grab, throwaway jokes, uh, building you know, building to a bigger plot, but but is happy to do uh, like set-piece things. Yeah, like the whole divergence in the middle of the movie where it closes up like the story about his mom yeah that's great it's it's really good and it 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 it, it covers it up without having to get too into it no it's like it's perfect it, it's perfect and i also the first time i watched it didn't realize the symbolism of him losing his family at a carnival at the beginning of the movie and him finally cementing his new family together at a carnival at the end yeah exactly it is it is a really nice i mean in a way this whole thing has a 
you know, it has a lot of loyalty to comic books, but it also has a certain amount of loyalty to essentially like a fable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a true ancient Greek fable where it is you find the family where you didn't expect to find family, you find the powers where you didn't expect to find powers, and you find victory where in a war you were never trying to fight. Yes, yes. This also reminds me of like one – I don't – so I'm – People listening to this probably have already guessed this, but like I'm not super versed in DC lore, but I know a bit of it. I'm mainly a, I was mainly a Marvel person growing up, but one of my favorite, and I don't know if this is canonical or not, but one of my favorite moments in DC is a short story about Superman discovering that Shazam is a little boy, and Superman gets fucking pissed. And in the comics, the wizard who gives him his powers is still alive. So Superman flies to the wizard and starts screaming at him and has this like huge blow up with the wizard being like, how dare you give a little boy the responsibility that I have? How dare you do that to him? Like that's not fair to do to him. And then the end of the short story is Clark Kent coming to the group home where Billy is and unbuttoning his shirt and showing him that he's Superman. And that's how the whole thing ends. And it's sort of this idea that like Superman like takes care of Shazam because he knows that like Shazam is going through something that like he can't really handle in the same way that Superman has been able to grow up doing it. And I love that like the movie leans into that like vulnerability and Zachary Levy who plays adult Shazam is like so good at that because he has no idea what's going on. He's just like yeah. completely lost in this. Yeah, he was also he's also very well cast and fits extremely well. Which and also, I mean, we already made the point about Adam Brody, but he's also a, a clearly in joke there. In that, I'm confident that I for a while did not realize Zachary Levy and Adam Brody were two separate people. Oh, really? Adam Brody was very important to me as a teenager because uh, his character Seth on the OC was basically the person I dressed like for about five years. Sure, I, I get that, but there's there's. There's a lot of similarities, and they were both in shows around that time because Akiva was in uh, uh, Chuck. Oh yeah, and they just you know they were essentially the same person. They have a they have a very similar kind of like quippy guy vibe. That's true. And in this yeah. movie, they're both hilariously jacked. Which also, I I mean that I think also adds something great to it in that you know the the thing with the problem with Captain America and a lot of them is that they are hilariously jacked, but they have to pretend that it's normal. Right. Whereas in this, he's hilariously jacked, and it is is clearly comical. Yeah, it's just like you look insane, and we're just gonna yeah. roll into that. Um, let's talk about Mark Strong. Well, so this is one of those. Having arrived at the conclusion last week that they live or die on their villains. This one didn't need a villain. Didn't really matter. Could have been anyone. Uh, I think Mark Strong did a really good job with it. And I think that the construction of the villain does make a lot of sense in terms of you do understand his motivation better, but equally it is a little bit, I want power for its own sake rather than I think he has a point, which is my, which was my, which was my theory last week of why this works. I too am conflicted by this villain. I think it was very smart to introduce him first and sort of, make him like the failed Shazam. I love the world building of that. I do think it yeah. leans a little into like the Marvel thing they do where like the villain is the bad version of the good guy kind of thing. That's, yeah, it's very hard to resist yeah. that. And DC has done that a few times. Like, oh yeah, arguably uh, Aquaman did that, but 
Superman is it's Zod, the evil person from Krypton, yeah, and yeah, uh, Wonder Woman is literally just another Greek god who's evil. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all kind of doing that. This movie, though, I think Mark Strong. I think you're right. Mark Strong is like having fun with it. He looks insane. Um, he ha- he's channeling like very like Raul Julian Street Fighter vibes, like M Bison, like nineties. <laughs> there, there's this. Like 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 Jumanji villain vibe. Like there's the there's a very classic '90s children's villain thing happening with Mark Strong in this movie that I did appreciate. I thought that was like well done tonally. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's also good that yet another person from the the best uh, movie for, or, or, or best DC movie of all time, uh, Green Lantern, got a got another superhero role. Do you know that I've so never I I th- I've never seen Green Lantern? Well, I mean, it's it's adding up now though because it's. It's Mark Strong because he was the villain in that. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds, who is now Deadpool. Yeah, uh, and Taika Waititi. He directed it, or he just in it? He was in it. Oh wow, that's crazy. So yeah, this what? you know it's it's the the proving ground. Oh oh, and Angela Bassett. Wow, that's crazy. Um, I yeah. I've seen one scene, and that's a scene involving a helicopter crash or something, and like <laughs> Green Lantern does some sort of weird ramp for the helicopter or something. Um. Or he makes a helicopter. I don't know. But the point is, Green Lantern is the most important DC movie of all time. <laughs> really, really influenced the rest of this. Shazam is very bittersweet for me because it is so good, and sh- and to me feels like such a no brainer for how all of these movies should operate and what they could offer that's different than Marvel. Like, it's Marvel. Those stories are huge and they're complicated now, and the chronology is massive. Whereas with this, like. You can watch it and it just stands alone. And then the only thing that really connects it to the larger universe is the Superman torso cameo at the end, which is like very cute. And I liked it. And like the references to Batman. And it's it just, it's a good real movie. And I, I've been very starved for that in this entire project. It is nice to watch a movie where it doesn't constantly feel, and this is equally true of Marvel, where it doesn't feel like without watching another dozen movies, you're missing something. I have this stress with, the marvel stuff that's coming out because like i've got a busy year a couple of years coming up and they're like oh hey we've got a new show coming out it's going to have 14 episodes about marvel and then the next marvel movie's coming out i'm like i can make time for another marvel movie i can't make time for 14 episodes of a tv show no especially not when you've released like a dozen tv shows all at the same time for no apparent reason like and i yeah i i don't like i actually genuinely don't like that that pressure of like feeling that you're constantly missing something by if you only watch certain ones of the movies and this DC universe has a bit of that in that it's constantly like, was well, justice Lee coming or this references this. And yeah, Marvel has the same problem, but this particular movie stood alone in a similar way to like, I think black Panther stood alone pretty well. Um, obviously the first Iron Man movie stood alone, but and you can probably pick up four or five Marvel movies that stood alone, but this one really does. It's just a great fun movie. It's also why this movie I think makes Spider-Man Homecoming look bad because it's kind <laughs> of doing Spider-Man Homecoming, but without all the bullshit interconnecting stuff. It's just the same vibe, but like you don't have to really know anything going into it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's everything that you need to know is contained within this one movie. Uh, what is interesting about this movie is so it's number seven in the DCEU, which would put it at the same place as Iron Man 3 in the MCU. Uh. Oh. Yeah, okay. I mean, I say this. The thing that weirds me out is Iron Man 3 is like the 
best grossing movie of the best grossing non-Avengers movie of all of the Marvel movies, which seems incredibly strange to me, uh, aside from Black Panther. Yeah, because it's just like a small Christmas movie. Yeah, it's just like a fun little movie, but no, it, it did like, billions. It beat most of the Avengers movie. Yeah. That's crazy. It's really interesting because having watched all these movies there are an awful lot of them that i thought i hadn't seen and then started watching and was like oh no i did see this and i i erased it from my memory this one i had seen had the opposite experience in that i really enjoyed it really enjoyed aquaman the one movie in this sequence that i know 100 percent i haven't seen is birds of prey well and wonder woman 1984 for obvious reasons but it, this one has made me much more interested in birds of prey because i think that i can see that movie being good now yeah, I, I think one thing that this movie pointed out for me that I, I feel kind of silly that I never realized before is that like the MCU is essentially like the story of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? It's the story of S.H.I.E.L.D. and it's the story of the uh, of like these artifacts called the Infinity Stones. Yeah. And so there's like this this narrative above everything. And even the small stories have to fit into that. But with the DC universe, when you, by the time you get to Shazam!, there really is no larger story to this universe. All all these movies really are about are like the disastrous consequences of human beings encountering magic they don't understand, which is interesting. It's actually like a really classic like story from mythology. It's 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 simpler in a weird way than the MCU. There is no shadowy organization tying these movies together. There is no like government operations. There's no you know, it's all just people who are like randomly coming in and out of each other's lives. And I kind of love that. I kind of love that. Like there is no larger narrative here. There's no Thanos at the end of every movie getting closer. It's just, okay, it's over. And then you might tease what the villain might do next. But other than that, like there's really nothing else going on. See, I get that, but it, it then falls into a bit of a, it, 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 it generates its own problems because it becomes super clear that they don't know what they're trying to do with it. And everyone's taking this in a different direction. And they're of their first four movies, like three of them, no, sorry, of the first five, three of them were team up movies. That's true. Kind of ludicrous. The first, like it's, it's like they tried to make justice. It's, it's like they tried to make the Avengers five times badly and then just gave up. (laughs) Yeah, and then we're like, fine, we'll just figure out some other stuff. And the other stuff is great. Yeah, And if they had let that just just develop just a little before they tried to team everyone up, it would have gone a lot better. I I mean, we're going to talk more about this when we do our our final Fixing the Universe episode. But, (laughs) you know, Aquaman, Shazam, and Wonder Woman, if they had come first and established that, okay, we're talking about a universe in which magic is real and sometimes it fucks up people's lives and gods are real... And that there's an alternate history here where, like, there's ancient artifacts buried all over the planet, and then aliens are going to come and get them. I think we would have been dealing with a much clearer idea of what was happening by the time we got to Justice League. Like, we wouldn't have needed to cram it into like. I mean, I think the the the, the recent estimate for the the recent estimate for the Snyder Cut is four hours. It's going to be a four hour long <sighs> miniseries, and Zack Snyder has recently teased that Batman will say the f word. And it's like, that's not what I want. I just want to know what Batman cares about as a person. I don't want him to say the F word. I just want to know what he, <laughs> he cares. Care. He cares about saying the F word. I guess. Like, I, I just want to see him, like, stand on a rooftop and shoot the shit with Superman. Like, 
one of the one of the the panels from Superman that goes viral on Tumblr all the time is Clark Kent's mom saying to Clark Kent, "I bet Batman doesn't talk that way to his mom," and then Clark Kent's face just dropping. <laughs> like those are the character moments that none of these movies have, and like I want them. Like even the Dark Knight had character moments that were kind of like fun and interesting. Like you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater with this stuff. And I. I mean, this kind of leans on the other thing, which is that they didn't have an interesting idea for a Batman movie. No, clearly they didn't. Like, well, not only not an interesting idea for a Batman movie, but an interesting idea for Batman. Yes. It would be like if you tried to do the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but you didn't ever do the Iron Man movies. Okay, but this is what's kind of crazy about this, because it is exactly like that. But did you hear the story about why they did Iron Man first? Uh, wasn't it because it was like the one that nobody knew and like it would be the like the easiest to do? You're gonna hate this, uh, but the the rumor is is that they did a bunch of focus groups with children and gave them toys of each of them, and the toy that all the children gravitated to was the Iron Man toy, with while not knowing anything about the universe. So they thought that was the most sellable character, and therefore the one they started with. That makes sense to me because also at the time Marvel was like basically going bankrupt, and if Iron Man didn't succeed, like there would be no more Marvel. So right. But this one instead, they're just like, oh, I assume everyone knows Superman and Batman, so it's fine. Well, without going like, where can we make an interesting character of this? Or at least, where can we make a character that turns into an interesting toy? Yeah, I mean, but also like, okay, like let's say let's say you were going to do all these movies in the exact same order they are in, and you just like had to redo them. I think you could you could conceivably start with Superman. I I think it's kind of hard though to do an origin story for Superman. I guess I guess this is the issue that I keep having with Batman and Superman, which is I can't figure out in my head which one needs to exist first. Yeah. Does Batman become a vigilante because he sees Superman or does Superman independently become a superhero and then discover that there's a man running around dressed like a bat in the city that we found out last time uh, on post post credit scene was just across the harbor? <laughs> like who who becomes aware of who first? Like how does that happen? Yeah. And equally, why does batman choose to exist if there is an all-powerful being who is more powerful than him because that doesn't make any sense right and then like then there's the piece with wonder woman which they still haven't even answered in this universe which is like why does she come out of hiding in world war one and then immediately go back into hiding but now we're going to find out that she has a whole other adventure in the 80s that everyone just sort of like magically forgot about and so like that's weird to me too and i think it just really speaks to like the fact that there is no kevin feige for any of this there's no one at the top just going like okay how does this shit work like how who what is happening in between movies like what is the plan here yeah like you know you talk about iron man and toys but like one of the easiest ways to show the passage of time between marvel films was the development of different iron man suits that's true but also then they have the other issue where then the third one they decided to do was suicide squad which doesn't fit into anything no, in fact, it, it almost, like, sets up this, like, S.H.I.E.L.D.-like government thing that's, like, being funded by, like, Wayne Enterprises money, but then it disappears, and we don't ever hear anything about it again, and then sometimes they use the word metahuman, and sometimes, by the time you get to Shazam, no one's using the word metahuman. It's like, they've dropped yeah. it entirely. So, and I still don't even know what a metahuman is. Like, it's, well, meta is beyond, it's beyond human. No, I get that, but, like, Aquaman <laughs> isn't a metahuman, he's just half god. Shazam. That is a metahuman. He's beyond human because he's half god. Yeah, but would you put him in the same category as like Killer Croc? Yeah, because he is beyond. They're all beyond human. Sure, but like how? I, I it, <laughs> you know, 
it's it's like this conversation that everyone's having right now about like how mutants and the X-Men will be introduced into the Marvel universe. And it's like, okay, well probably the easiest way to do it would be to say that it's like a side effect of like the infinity stones being activated on the same planet, like th- what, yeah. three times. Um, okay. Makes sense to me, but I have, I know that I will understand how that works. Whereas I, and in fact, even in the X-Men films, they're like, oh, there's an X factor and it can turn on in your genes and all of a sudden you can like shoot fire out of your eyeballs. Okay. Right. It's linked to, it's linked to puberty, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. In your, when you hit teenage years, you become a mutant. Uh, if you have this weird gene, okay, easy. But there has never been anything like that in these movies to describe what a metahuman is. Uh, I, they're gods, they're crocodiles, they're like guys who can shoot a gun really well. Like, I don't know what they are. <laughs> yeah. It, this is it. And then you look at this and then you see a movie like Shazam and it's like, why didn't you start with this? Why didn't you start with Shazam and Aquaman and Wonder Woman and build up just a little bit of goodwill before you attempted to make Superman and Batman murder each other? Two characters which, because you can't know Superman because he's a god. He's too far beyond a god, in fact. And Batman, who you can't know because it's Ben Affleck and all he's doing is looking angrily in, at the screen. Yes. He just looks like he just needs to eat a salad but, uh, and maybe like yeah. not smoke cigarettes for, for a couple months. <laughs> um, he's just constantly just mad because he's not smoking right this second. Exactly. Exactly. He just wants to like say like really fucked up stuff about women to the other guys on the set. You know, he's just got like yeah. that vibe. Okay, wait. So to 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 take this on home here, Shazam made three hundred and sixty six million dollars. Um, it had a budget of eighty to a hundred million, so it made it made money. It didn't make Aquaman money, but it made money. It will have a sequel and a spinoff. Uh, the sequel just got a title. The sequel will be called Shazam: Fury of the Gods, but they're also doing a spinoff uh, with The Rock called Black Adam, which I'm very excited about. And it has an incredibly high rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Shazam has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I think That's it deserves. Wild. I think it deserves it because it's it's just a good goddamn movie. It's just great. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't shot in like disgusting black gray sepia i could like see stuff even in the nighttime scenes i could see stuff yeah there was there's no interest in making it like unnecessarily dark it it's fun and it's light and it's has a i don't know it it feels like it has a point of view it has a heart it has a a reason why these characters exist in this world that is not simply that they have superpowers no it's it reminds me it it reminded me of the feeling i got the first time as a kid i opened up a comic book it reminded me of that excitement of going like wow i could one day just like become a superhero and like get brought into a whole big world (laughs) and like that's something that like everyone needs to experience um and so we've got two more on our list here before we are finished with this universe for now um our next one i'm excited i've never seen it uh it's uh birds of prey and then we're going to try to figure out how to watch uh, Wonder Woman 1984. And then that sort of puts a cap on whatever this section of movies is called within this universe, I guess. Yeah, I have no idea how uh, Wonder Woman 1984 is being released in the UK. It's being released, I think, only on a channel that I don't have. So I don't I don't really know how I'm going to get a hold of it. I suspect it will become easier to get it soon <laughs> um, as more people see it. Um 
And then there's only one other DC movie slated before the Snyder Cut, which is like what this thing is about. So uh, no matter what happens with what we do in the future, we will come back, finish this with The Suicide Squad. We will do the Justice League and uh, we'll put a cap on this whole crazy project. As always, thank you guys for listening. Please uh, give us uh, ideas for stuff to do and um, we'll keep on trekking through cinematic universes for you. Because uh, uh, that's all that's left now. Well, I mean, eventually we we become like screenwriters right like eventually we'll, we'll just become like experts in this oh i don't want to do that i think that's the next step for us is like we move to hollywood we don't we don't stay friends for very long but we do make like two mid-level decent blockbuster films no we'll 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 we'll, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll ha- what will happen is we'll like pitch for one uh and they'll be like okay you guys can do this and like three months later we will have turned in no pages and we'll have turned in like one you know one like half page treatment and they say this is this is just the word like Marvel. This is just the phrase like Marvel, but better a dozen times in a row for no apparent reason. Um, and then 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 we lose. Yeah, and then I'll have a BoJack Horseman esque spin out alone in like a Hollywood <laughs> Hills mansion. Yeah. All right, bye guys. <laughs> bye.